humility is just a really good place, a really good place. God is showing me so much and I can see how it's changing my entire behavior. It's changing my entire countenance. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm getting treasures and places that I hadn't seen treasures before. And it's just a really deep work that God is doing through um, this lesson on humility. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. The last couple, actually the last four lessons that we talked about were about us receiving God's word about us. So I'm going into the lesson now so you all get your Bibles and everything ready because we're going to be reading. But, um, you know, we've said that the definition of humility is a realistic view of our own importance, A, in the sight of God, and B, in comparison to God. When we have a realistic view of our own importance in the sight of God, that means that we see ourselves as God sees us. And we walk in that unashamedly and unapologetically. When we see our, the realistic of our own importance in comparison to God, that's when we realize that he is our creator. He's the one who made us. And we are the creation. And we, the creation, cannot tell the creator what to do with us <laughs> or what to make us or you didn't make me right or no, no, no. So when we acknowledge that he is our creator and we are the creation and in comparison to him, we are lowly, lowly, but not unworthy because he calls us worthy. So when we see ourselves as we see it, as he sees us, then we are worthy, but we are lowly. In other words, we come unto him. There's that to him. So um, not these last two lessons, but the two lessons before that was taking God at his word about us. You know, lots of times we focus on taking God at his word about this situation or taking God at his word about, you know, this, that, and the other. But when it comes to us, even like, you know, yes, I believe God's a healer. So I believe that. But do you believe God can heal you? then it becomes a whole other issue. So we've been talking about how humility um, is also taking God at his word about us. When he calls us something, then we need to align with him and agree with him and call ourselves that too. Then the most recent two lessons have been about seeing what God sees. And we looked at... Um, examples in, in Josh, not Joshua, excuse me, not yet anyway, Joseph, where Joseph had just been let out of prison because he, um, to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And then in that moment, Pharaoh said, see, I have set thee over Egypt. Even though Joseph had had dreams ever since he was a child, he's been through all these situations and he just got out of prison, just shaved and started smelling good, probably, you know, and now the Pharaoh sets him as second in charge over Egypt. Joseph had to align his vision. <laughs> see, I have set thee over Egypt. I need you to see what I see. I need you to understand this so you can walk in what I have placed you in. And we looked at Jeremiah, where God ordained Jeremiah as a prophet to the nations. And he says, oh, but I'm a child. God said, don't say that. See, I have set thee over the nations and the kingdom. He, it's a mind renewing process where Jeremiah had to bring himself 
to see what God saw, to align his vision with God's vision about him. Then there was Moses. God made Moses his mouthpiece to go speak to Pharaoh. And Moses said, um, excuse me, I stammer. I don't have good speech. And who am I that Pharaoh would listen to me? And God said, see, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. Come up here. My thoughts are higher. Come up here. I need you to see what I see. See, I have made you a God to Pharaoh. And then we looked at Joshua where, okay, all right, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you are going to take these people over the Jordan. You are going to cause these people to inherit the land. Only be thou strong and very courageous. I am with you just as I was with Moses. Only meditate this word. That's how you make your way prosperous. That's how you'll have good success. And then Joshua was obedient. He did everything God told him to do. He, he got the officers together and had them to speak to the people. He sent his um, uh, the spies over into Jericho. He did all that. Then we see um, later in chapter five that now Joshua is there. They've crossed the Jordan and now he's there at Jericho. And chapter six, verse one says that Jericho was straightly shut up because the walls were there. No one came in, no one came out. And I'm sure Joshua was like, it didn't look like this the last time I was here. You know, he's had time <laughs> to be there looking at those walls. But God had already told him in chapter one, forgive me, I left this part out. No man shall stand before thee all the days of thy life. No man shall be able to stand before you. But now he's there at Jericho. He sees these walls. Jericho is straightly shut up. God says, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. Joshua had to get past the walls. He had to get past the impossibility. He had to get past and he had to see what God saw so he could get what God had for him. And that's the same way it is with us. I want you to think about what has God called you to where he said, you can do this or see, I have made you this or see, you're going to do that or see, what is it? that God wants you to see about where he's taking you. And in each of these scenarios that I just listed, um, except for Joseph, it was God who set these people in these places. With Joseph, it was Pharaoh. But the principle is still the same. These places, see, I have set thee. These people didn't get there by themselves. Moses didn't get there by himself. Joshua didn't get there by himself. Jeremiah didn't get there by himself. Joseph didn't get there by himself. They were set there by the ones in authority. And it's the same way when God says, see, we need to understand that it's him who our creator, who knows what he made us to be, telling us who we are, telling us what we have, telling us what we can do. And so when we respond in humility, we say, I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. And we walk unapologetically and unashamedly in that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. And so the other thing I want us to see about that when God says, see, I have set thee here, or see, I want you to do that. 
he is speaking to, I guess you can say that he's speaking to the potential in us. He's the one that placed that potential in us. If you, if you want to put it this way, he's the one who sowed that seed in us when he knit us in our mother's womb. He's the, and when he created us before the foundation of the world, he knows what he put inside of us. Now he's speaking to it and he's calling it to life. He is not going to tell us to do anything that we don't have the capacity to do. And this is where the fear of the Lord and humility come together. Fear of the Lord is in awe of him. Yes, Lord, that's what you said. You know best. Okay. Yes, you so. Yes. As you've put this out just now, but also based on other things you said, like, you know, I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. And I have what he says I have. Um, and this thing about humility. Yes. And then also praying for the body of Christ uh, for humility. Yes. I see for what he's given me to do when you said, can you see? Um, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at Luke 15, 31. And he, he said unto him, son, thou art ever with me and all that I have is thine. Amen. Um, just gave me a glimpse of, you know, I want to be what he wants me to be. I haven't known that. I mean, I saw, I see my negative stuff. I haven't really looked at what he's put in me. And I, I don't have a list of what he's put in me as much as I have a list of where I didn't, I didn't measure up to anybody, let alone God. But I see, I mean, the need for me to let go of that, to forgive myself for grasping onto that. And I just want to acknowledge that. Praise God. Thank you for that. Amen. Amen. You know, um, the flip side of what I was saying, Shalom, thank you very much for saying that. I know that may not have been easy, but praise God, it's open. It's honest. That blesses me. That blesses me. So here's, okay, so here's the other side of that, right? When God says something about us, we can come up with all of these excuses about why we can't do it. I, I imagine it's what Shalom just said. I, I have a longer list of the reasons I can't do it. I have a, a, a longer list of the things, you know, 
I'm not gonna say the bad things, but the, the, the negative things rather than the things that he has called me. And so when we look at that, when we look at what we think about ourselves or what we have come to think about ourselves, rather than what God um, has said about us, then that opposes, <laughs> that opposes what God says. And so now, just humor me, okay? So does that come under humility or the opposite of humility? It's the opposite to me because it's an imagination exalting itself against the knowledge of God. I believe when God says see, he's giving us that redemptive revelation, that vision to keep us from going astray, keep us from perishing, keep us from being outside of his um, borders of operation. Yes. And Shalom, just stick with me, okay? I'm not saying this. To, I'm, I'm making a point out of what you said, okay? Just, just okay. Stop. I was just afraid I might have interrupted you. But. No, 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 no. You did fine. You did fine. So now let me ask you: What is the opposite of humility? Oh, arrogance. Yes, arrogance. What's another word that we would find in the Bible? Pride. 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 Yes, pride. And I think it's just, I look at how much God loves us, okay? I think it's very interesting that God has had us studying about humility. And I think this is our seventh lesson. And this is the first time he's had me to speak about pride. Usually when we think about humility, we think about it in, co in comparison to pride, and we think of it as the opposite of being proud, and we usually talk about what it means to be, at least where I've heard it and learned it and everything, it, it's always juxtaposed with pride. But when the Lord has been speaking to us about it these last seven lessons, he's been showing us what a gift it is. What a gift it is because it causes us to walk with him. What a gift it is because it causes us to know what he thinks about us. What a gift it is because it's, it, 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 it corrects us. And, it, and it's like just what he has wooed me through humility. And so, and, and lots of times when we think about pride, that word that you said, Shalom, hits the nail on the head. Because when I looked it up, both in the Bible and in um, dictionaries, it kept coming back to arrogance and arrogance for me was the easiest way to describe it. So we're going to come to that in a moment, but pride. I like what you just said, Deborah. You said that uh, when we look at what we think about ourselves more than what God thinks about us, it's the opposite of humility because these are imaginations that exalt themselves. Um, I guess the word of God, that word exalt. Pride in the Bible, it means height. It means to be lifted up. It means high. So when we've got these imaginations exalting themselves, that's pride. But guess what? Even what Shalom just said, she, she says these negative characteristics. And she said that, you know, the way she saw herself 
she didn't measure up to anyone, let alone God. So how is that high? How is that thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think? Lots of times when people think about pride, they don't think about it in that respect. You wanted to say something, Shalom? I just want to say that I think I consider it really false pride. And it's used as a defense mechanism for how bad you feel. So you have to kind of like build yourself up when, had I been able to hear God and who he, how he sees me, I would have had something truthful. Okay. Um, talk to me about the false pride, because I'm sorry, clarify that for me a little bit more. Well, okay, in the Bible, it's, it's I guess it's wrong to have pride. Um, and I think of pride as something that you kind of naturally feel good about. Let's say what it, uh, what you've done, you know, like if you completed a task, you have a good feeling about it. And I didn't look at pride as stepping out above. It was something that I just kind of um, felt was okay to to have i mean that you i don't know how to explain it but i do know that there is a false pride and that is where you use you use this false pride to cover these uncomfortable places in yourself and um you know it's it's kind of like trying to keep a secret, but everybody knows. It's just that you've deceived yourself. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. May, may I say something too? Yes. Yes. You know, I, I I'm seeing it that when I cling to something that I say negative about myself, that God says the opposite. In actuality, I am dishonoring his ability to change me. I'm dishonoring the blood. I'm dishonoring the sacrifice of Jesus because I'm saying I'm so much bigger than your ability to change this. So this can't be true what you're saying about me, God. Um, this can't be true what your, the blood has provided or the sacrifice has provided. And so when I, when I cling to something like that, that's what I'm saying about the power of the sacrifice of Jesus and the ability of God to make me into being what he says that I am. So, Deborah, what you just said goes um, with what I said about as, uh, humility 
a realistic view of our importance in comparison to God. He's the creator, we're the creation. He's the potter, we're the clay. And no God, you can't make a plate out of me because I've got too many cracks. I've got this, I've got that, right? So um, when you said that you, um, you're dishonoring God, you're dishonoring the blood of Jesus, you're dishonoring everything that he uh, provided for you to be who he created you to be. Yes, you're denying his ability. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm saying I'm bigger than God. <laughs> you're bigger than God. That's exactly right. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. And then Shalom, you said that you have um. That okay, when you're walking in and you're calling it false pride, um, when you're walking in false pride, you're deceiving yourself. So. It's amazing because I've been listening to Keith Moore and he, I enjoy listening to Keith Moore preach and teach about honor. Oh my goodness. And humility. Yes. And so he, he, I'm really jumping the gun, but I just can't hold it back anymore. He made it so, so simple. Okay. He said, when you're walking in humility, you're walking in the truth. When you're walking in pride, you're walking in a lie. When we're walking in humility that we are who God says we are, we have what he says we have, we can do what he says we can do. We're walking in the truth of his word. We're walking in the truth of what he says about us. But anytime we have this false opinion or this arrogance, these exalted thoughts about ourselves, and basically we're calling God a lie and we're saying that we're bigger than God, that's pride. Pride is a lie. Now, Shalom, I understand what you're saying when you say, you know, it's like have some pride about yourself. Take pride in your work. You know, in other words, do it, do it well. You know, take pride in your work. Act like you care about it. That's how the word pride is used a lot of times. Um, this pride, or a lot of times when we say, when we're talking, I'll use the scripture, you know, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. We're thinking about that kind of pride that looks down on others because we think more of ourselves than we should. But it's also exactly what um, Deborah said. When we think we're bigger than God, when we look at what we think about ourselves and take more stock in what we think about ourselves than what God mm -hmm. says about us, then we're saying, God, my opinion matters more than yours. God, my opinion is bigger than yours. So I'm bigger than you. So people who have low self-esteem, people say, oh no, I can't do this. I can't do that. Or, or um, yeah, the low self-esteem part, we don't often think about that as being pride, but it is. It's just the other end of the stick. One end of the stick is I look down on people because I think I'm better than them. And the other end of the stick is I look down on myself because I don't think I'm as good as other people when really, the middle of the stick is, I am who God says I am. And I can do everything he says I can do. And I have everything he says I have. Therefore, when my thoughts come in that say, you're not good enough, you can't do it. Who's going to, you know, who's going to believe you? Who's going to, mm -mm. you bring those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. You cast down those imaginations. And when we realize that we are who God says we are, then that, that 
I'm gonna say that spirit of competition goes away where we feel like we have to compare ourselves to others. And that false pride you're talking about, Shalom, when we know that there are weak spots where we act like they're not there and we exalt ourselves in one way or another. You use the word arrogance and the um, definition for arrogance. It's the act, and I got this out of the Noah Webster 1828. It's the act or quality of taking much upon oneself. I heard, I love this. Andrew Womack says, if you're all wrapped up in yourself, you're a pretty small package. <laughs> so arrogance is the act or quality of taking much upon oneself. It's that species of pride which consists of uh, which consists in exorbitant claims of rank, dignity, estimation, or power, or which exalts the worth or importance of the person to an undue degree. This does not mean just in relation to somebody else. It means in relation to God. When we value our own opinions about ourselves more than we value God's opinions about us, then we are being arrogant because we are exalting our own worth, we're exalting our own importance to an undue degree. We're saying we know more than God knows. Um, so yeah, it's conceitedness and presumption. It's arrogance. So now what does this have to do with, see, <laughs> I have set you. <laughs> It goes back to just about every other lesson we've had. I'll only go as far as I'll, as far back as acknowledging God's authority, recognizing, well, first recognizing God's authority, and then acknowledging his authority and giving him authority in your life. It goes to making his word first place and supreme authority or first place and final authority in your life, even his word about you. It goes to cooperating with his word. Whatever he says, okay, let's get in alignment with it and let's cooperate with it and walk it out so it can come to manifestation. It goes with the fear of the Lord, just knowing that he is God, he is right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom wouldn't be wisdom without that primary ingredient of the fear of the Lord, which is just being in awe of him. God, you made me that way? Oh, I'm so in awe of you. I worship you. Yes, Lord. And now humility. Just aligning with what he says and walking it out. Amen? Catherine. Yes. Can I read Proverbs 29, 18 out of the Passion Translation? It goes so perfectly with what you just said. Yes, yes. Um, it says, um, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven bliss fills your soul. Amen. Amen. I wish I could put my eyes on it so I could just pull out the parts. Will you read it again, please? 
where there is no clear prophetic vision, mm-hmm. and you know other translations say redemptive revelation, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. Wow. But when you when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. And, and when when you were talking just now, I was thinking of this. And I was thinking how that false humility, which I, I believe is a form of pride, it, it makes you depressed. <laughs> Whereas true humility fills you with joy. And, and that's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to be depressed about looking at a fallen nature. Whereas when we go back to the original intent God had for us, that he has always ministering to us, it gives us such strength, joy. I think the other thing that I'd like to say to what is being said now. Yes. The thing, you know, the, the, you know, where there is no vision, the people shall perish. Yes. That's what you're reading. It's just in the passion translation. Yes. Okay. I think it was maybe a week or so ago. I said something to you that, I had heard something and they had said, you know, they had used that quote and said, but our vision is Jesus. And until that time, I thought I was just going to be the perishing people, just like I thought I was not going to go to heaven, you know, that all that. I mean, it seems to be coming up full bloom, these false things for me, because you know, I could see that my, I could be part of my vision is Jesus. Because I didn't think I had any vision. I didn't, you know, it's it's like I had nothing coming up inside me that would tell me it's a vision. Right. You know, I was taking it literally. I was supposed to be seeing something. I was supposed to be seeing what I was supposed to do i mean like i'm supposed to already know and so i'm saying that that all this stuff seems to be coming up that i could say you know i don't need to hold on to any of this i can drop it all because i do have a vision i have a vision of jesus and i have a vision of what we're supposed to you know be working towards and I need to drop anything that says I don't have a vision. Amen. And but I'm saying it's it's that recently that I was still fighting that battle of, you know, I, I'm part of the perishing crew because I don't have a vision. Right. And it was really working on me, even though I didn't have words for it. Right. And I remember you said that because actually you were listening to a recording that um, that Ken and I were doing. And I was talking about how Jesus is our vision. He's the vision of who we are supposed to be. He didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And so right. praise God that the scripture is coming back. I'm trying to get it up on the screen, but Google is not cooperating with me. So we'll just leave it there. Um, but if you all can pull it up. Well, Deborah's already got it in the passion. I'll get it on my phone too. I was going to put it on the screen for us. Um, I want to do something with that scripture. Proverbs 29, 18 in the passion. Okay. In the passion, 
All right. It says, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. What is the word that comes to you immediately? No thinking about it. Just the word that catches you the most. Where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. And we have more than one word? Yeah. Heaven's bliss. All right. For me, following the revelation of the word. Yeah, for me, just the word follow. Just, but when you follow, and because it's talking about the revelation of the word, follow, like stay on that thing, follow. So that is wonderful. That's just a little game I like to play because it, that it speaks to what's in you and it comes out. And Shalom, that is so wonderful that heaven's bliss stands out to you. So to hear you, Shalom, say that you now understand that Jesus is your vision. You've got something to focus on. You've got some, you know, a point of contact. You've got something that you can relate to. That's a wonderful blessing. And heaven's bliss that you know that it belongs to you. Understanding you to say that's a huge blessing, and I rejoice with you in that. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I'm happy for me too. Hey. <laughs> Praise God. Praise we God. We can all be happy for me. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. I'll take all the happy I can get. Man. <laughs> Glory to God. Me too. All right. And so we're going to come back to the uh, humility and pride, right? Lots of times when God tells us something, and I'll go to Moses on this, I'll go to Jeremiah on this. Lots of times when God tells us something, we're like, um, but no, Lord, you called the wrong one. Oh, Lord, really not? You know, um, Moses was like, but I stammer. Who is Pharaoh? Who am I that Pharaoh would listen to me? And Jeremiah was like, oh, but I'm just a child. You know, we can think of these excuses. And lots of, t and I shared my testimony a few weeks back where many times throughout my life, I would stop short of the finish line to let others cross it before me. And it was something I didn't quite understand. Um, but as the Lord has been continuously ministering to me, you know, my thing was, I, and this might sound like pride, but it's not. I didn't want to outshine anybody. I wanted them to shine too, if I could put it that way. Um, I, I didn't want to... I mean, it sounds like pride that I'm saying this. Pride that I did it, yes. But pride that I'm saying this to you, no. It, it, for whatever reason, I didn't feel like I should be the one to cross the finish line. And so I would let others pass before me, cross over before me, and I wouldn't be what God created me to be. And so this past week, I found this quote by Nelson Mandela. I'm sure you have heard it. But he said, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, or fabulous, and fabulous? And then he says, actually, who are you not to be? 
You are a child of God. So we need to see ourselves as God sees us. And at the same time, we need to, <laughs> there was a song that said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. We need to check ourselves and humble ourselves before God. We can't tell God who he made us to be or what he didn't make us to be or why we can't do it. That's, that's, that's pride, even if it's on the low self-esteem side. Um, the, the high self-esteem is I can do it without God and the low self-esteem is I, I can't do it even with God. So there's that. Anybody have anything they'd like to say about that? Yes. Okay. I know from personal that because of low, low self-esteem I tried to do it without God because I wanted to try to get something right. That's probably the epitome of arrogance or whatever, but um, I mean, I was so low, I was digging a hole to China. You know, and when people say, if you're in a hole, stop digging. But I couldn't stop. It was just like, I, I, I got the impression from things that happened that I was, you know, just not, just not going to cut it. And so out of, it might have been a wrong attitude, but it was trying to do. It might have been. It was a wrong attitude, but it was a wrong attitude. It was a substitute because I couldn't connect to goodness. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that. You know, I, I, there wasn't any, there wasn't any way for me to know anything else. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying that we're uncovering. Have you ever put all these different colors on a piece of paper with the, you know, crayons or whatever, and then color over it in black? And then you scratch it off a bit and you see the colors. Yeah. Well, I'm in that process of scratching off the black so that I can see what I'm made of. Ooh. And, you know, I think I've, I don't know if I've said it here, but I know I've said it, you know, that I thought, I thought there were so many things wrong. I just didn't want to see anymore. And so I took a paper clip and bent it till it broke and tried to scratch my eyes so I wouldn't see anymore. That's how bad I felt. That, you know, someone could tell me I was lying and I wasn't lying. And so I took a pair of scissors to try to cut 
that cleft palate or the whatever it is in the back of your throat? What's it called? Uvula. Oh, well, what do normal people call it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried to cut that, you know, and, and fortunately, you cannot look at yourself in the eyes and try to scratch your eye. It just doesn't work. And neither could I look in the mirror and look down my throat and see that thing that would, I was told it gave a black line and that was how they knew I was lying. They could see a black, a black line back there. And, you know, so that told me there was blackness in me. So, and here we are, you know, scraping off like black over the beautiful colors that are underneath it. Yeah. So I just... I'm trying to give myself a break without giving myself an excuse that, you know, this is believing this way right up to now. I got a lot of years that I've carried this lie or all these lies. So I just, I want to let go of it. I don't want to repeat them, but I want to acknowledge that this is, this is what it's been for me, and I, I, and I haven't realized it, let alone anyone else. It's, it was a secret even to me, but not to God. Amen. I do believe he knows how bad that I feel. And he's showing me things to change that. Through through this, through everything I'm doing, he's showing me a change. Amen. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Such a blessing. Yes. You know, Catherine, when you were when you were quoting Mandela. Yes. I was hearing um, the word fear used of uh, being afraid of how powerful we are. Yes. And what came up in my spirit was that's a lack of the revelation of meekness. And I heard that meekness is power under control as an act of humility. And so sometimes I, I was sensing that, yeah, like you were saying, you would draw back mm-hmm. because you didn't want to overshine. Yeah. Well, sometimes I believe God, I mean, Jesus was so meek. He had all his power, but he controlled it as an act of humility, even around other people so that they could be brought in. They could feel their their worth, you know? Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking that that's a, a work of pride too is it's an absence. Sometimes pride the devil takes advantage of us and sneaks in pride through a lack of a revelation of meekness. How they're supposed to operate with this power that we are and have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. I agree. And so it's like, just a freedom. I've been feeling such a freedom to just be who God says I am. Not that the, it's not scary at times, uh, stepping out into something different, but every time that I felt like I was shaky, humility was right there. So, uh -uh, mm -mm, place your, look, it's, it's like a, humility literally undergirded me when I felt like my foot was shaking um, on the ground. Humility just came under me and provided that solid foundation. Or when I felt like I was laying bare and I, the feeling was just like in the fall when the tree is losing its leaves, um, but I see a green leaf and it's one leaf hanging onto that branch and it's waving in the wind and I just felt naked. I was that leaf holding on, trying to, and then I felt a blanket of grace just come. And it's like when we have children with sensory issues, we put a weighted blanket on them to calm them down. I felt like grace was this weighted blanket that just came and whatever was naked and exposed, grace just covered me and it steadied me and I was okay. This is how I've been experiencing humility and grace because it gives grace to the humble. And so I, this is how I've been whew, experiencing it. And so I forgot why I went this way. They saw something Deborah said. Um, meekness, controlling it. Um, do, do, do you remember who it was that was supposed to come do a healing service, but he didn't come? Billy Burke? Yeah, Billy Burke. To me, he is an example of humility because he can kind of just stands there. He knows that power is there. Mm -hmm. He doesn't grab hold of it. He channels it in the sense of he knows working through him. He knows when people get within like three feet of him, and he t and they come and they tell him like mm, neuropathy and, and well, do you feel anything? And it takes him a few minutes maybe, right, to realize. You know, he just it just oozes out of him. I mean, and I feel that's the way Jesus was. It just oozed at him. That's why kids came running to him. Yes. And I'm just saying that he's been an example to me of the spirit flowing okay. in his humility. As you were saying that, thank you. I thank you. That's a wonderful observation. Okay. It reminded me also of what Deborah was saying. Meekness is strength or power under control um, and relating that to humility. And also what I get from that, especially from the example you just gave about Billy Burke, is liberty. Liberty. When you've got that meekness, when you've got that, that strength under control or that power under control, you don't have to exert it on people. It's like what you said, Deborah. People are just, I don't think you use these words, but I get people were just free to get for themselves, free to get what was there. And the same thing Shalom just said about Billy Burke, 
He knows the power that's there. He knows how to operate in it. And even when it took people a few minutes to figure out what's going on with their bodies, they're free to experience the power on their own terms, right where they are at their point of need. Where the spirit is, there is freedom. There is liberty. Amen. Amen. So, wow. Um, Shalom, I'm just so rejoicing with you for your breakthrough. I just really am. Um, Amen. Me too. Wow. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, well, I want you to know that before, before while you were praying, yes, before we started, yes, I could see this hard shell around me of all these things, and I just told God I just didn't want it anymore. So I feel like a bird pecking its way out of its shell. Right. God. Praise God. And you know that when birds peck their ways out, that's them strengthening their beaks too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I just feel this is like the second or third time I've heard it. So Holy Spirit, give me the utterance. Um, but it's like, because God is able to do this supernaturally, you know, You've given the um, examples of peeling the black off so you see the beautiful colors under it. And now the, the picture of the bird pecking its way out of the shell. And God is able to do it supernaturally. But it's such a blessing for you to be going through this process. Because these things that you are learning in the process, no one's going to be able to take them away from you. This is you walking out the word this is you going from, and I'm not saying that you're, you know, just on milk, but you are going from the milk to the meat of the word. This is you getting your own revelation. This is you getting your own, coming into your own, your own testimony of what God is doing for you. And, and you said you've been dealing with these things for a lot of years, and it's a blessing just that your eyes are open to see it. And the scripture that comes that can see. <laughs> and so it takes us back to Proverbs 29, 18. And I praise God for the heavenly bliss. Glory to God. And I'm just going to continue to speak that over you and to agree with you on that. But also the scripture that comes to me is James 1:17, where it says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above from the Father of Lights. That good gift, the, the song that we played for worship today, um, you are good. In the morning, I'll say that you are good. In the evening, I'll say that you are good. You are good to me and you keep on getting better. You keep on getting better, hallelujah. He's the giver of every good gift because he's our good, good Father. And he's the giver of every perfect gift gift. 
every gift that he has for us, if we allow him to, if we walk in humility and receive what he has for us, it will achieve perfection in our lives. It will accomplish everything in our lives that he, he purposed for it to accomplish. And it comes from above, not just above like the sky, but it comes down the chain of command from God, our Father himself, to Jesus, who gives the revelation to Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit gives us that special delivery when he ministers it to us. Glory to God. Hmm. I mean, you, you know, we've been talking, you've been saying, and I've been hearing, and I've been saying, the that I want to have the ability to receive enthusiastically everything that God enthusiastically wants to give to me yes. or receiving the love, what God wants to love me with. Yes. And I think that's made a, a much bigger impact on me than I realized God. in a short few days that I am conscious of us saying it. Thanks God. So Thanks. we hit a bullseye with that. Woo! Praise the Lord. That's the word the Lord gave me in a dream, tibato. Tibato in Japanese, it's the sound of something hitting its target, sound of something hitting the bullseye. God gave me that word in a dream. Hallelujah. So thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Is there anything else that you all would like to share? <laughs> I feel like God has done such a, a, a deep work here. Um, things that we are just now coming to see, things that we will recognize when they show up because of um, what he's bringing forth in this Bible study. Um, and next week, this is what I would like for you all to do. If you can write this down, um, these are the three scriptures that we're going to center on next week. It's going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. James chapter 4, verse 6. And, excuse me, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Okay. Okay. So, and all of these, we're still dealing with humility and now how it's juxtaposed with pride. And, um, and I'm looking for <laughs> what God has to say to us in that. Praise God. Thank you both for being here tonight. I have so enjoyed and I'm so grateful to God for what he is revealing to us, what he is revealing through us, and just what he is for the divine revelation that he is giving us. And my prayer for all of us is that we will follow. We will follow the revelation of his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our father. We thank you for being our God. And we thank you for your power, your glory. We thank you for how you see us and how you tell us over and over how you see us. That you never leave us, never forsake us. And that you continue to bless us, 
with blessings seen and unseen. We thank you for this word. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for the fellowship. And we can carry this with us wherever we go. And that we carry it with us for the week to share. Not just to keep for ourselves, but to share about your goodness. And your pleasure. 